Bean has partnered with the National Park Foundation to help you find your happy place. And with more than 400 national parks, there's a good chance you'll find one close to home. Discover your perfect day in a park at findyourpark.com. This week, hidden perks that you might not know that you already have waiting for you. Going out to restaurants with little ones, the secrets behind interstate highways, and a high-end overlanding camper that's been under our nose since before overlanding was cool. This is RV Miles. Welcome to episode 126 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, crisscross North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy 2020. Welcome to the first episode of the new year. I'm excited. It's a... It's a episode packed full of some fun stuff. We have Bob Rogers of Lance Campers on the episode this week. And Lance is is a company that I really admire. They make some real quality travel trailers and truck campers. And he's going to talk about their altimeter concept vehicle. Plus, we've got uh, in our Fresh Tank Black Tank segment, I'm going to talk about the worst travel trailer brands out there. <laughs> and I don't give very many answers. And a whole lot more. But I wanted to start with uh, talking about some interesting things about interstate highways. You know, when I was in driver's ed in high school, and I don't know what your situation was with that being uh, being homeschooled. I assume your parents taught you how to drive. And yes, they put and me in a car it. and we went out and I learned how well, to drive. In some, I don't know. In <laughs> what, some states, what is, how is that any different than like what you did outside of the fact that I didn't sit in a schoolroom and. Well, I know in some I, states you have to, in some states, homeschoolers have to put their kids in a driver's ed, like class. No, the state of Missouri does not <laughs> they require you to stick your child in a driver's ed class. Well, I, so my driver's ed, I didn't learn a whole lot about a lot of things. <laughs> it, okay. And there are things I, that, that I, you know, I, I learned later on as a driver that they didn't teach you the fine me. art of interstate highways. Is no. that what you're saying? Well, I guess my point is that I'm, I'm always learning new things and there are things here that I didn't know. So for instance, uh, I had no idea that there was much rhyme or reason at all to the numbering of the interstate highway system. I just thought someone just two people <laughs> threw darts at the wall and whatever numbers they landed on, that's I'm, what it got named. I'm sure there are lots of people that know this already, but there was a plan for how interstate highways are numbered. And the way it works is it's separated between odd and even numbers. So the highways that are east-west are assigned even numbers. Oh, I and, knew this. And highways this. that are north-south are odd numbers. Generally. I feel like we've I, talked I, about I this on the that. podcast before. We might have. I kind of knew that already. Very, but, that, but, but the rest of the stuff we have not. Yeah, this feels very much like something I've learned within the last <laughs> couple of years. This doesn't feel like old information. But what, so I, I did, I didn't know that, but the route numbers of the even numbered routes, the, the east to west routes increase from south to north. For example, in the south, you've got I-10 all the way down in the south and you've got I-90 all the way up in the north. And it works the same way for the north-south highways, the odd numbers. You've got I-5 on the west coast and you've got I-95 on the east coast. What I didn't realize is that plan to do that is a mirror image of the original U.S. highways, not the interstate highways, but the original U.S. highways. And what they did is they flipped it so that hopefully those routes wouldn't be near each other. So if you've got... Uh, an interstate 20, it won't conflict with the U.S. 20. That works if you're East Coast, West Coast. But what happens to those of us sitting in the heartbeat of America? That, for that reason, there's no interstate 50. They specifically didn't make an, an I-50 for that reason. There, here's another thing that I didn't know, though. Route numbers that are divisible by five, such as I-10, I-90, I-5, I-95, 
they're intended to be the major arteries among the primary routes. They are the ones that carry traffic long distances. So if I get on something divisible by five, I can just drive for a really long time. (laughs) Yes, you can. Good to know. You can take 80 all the way across the Good to know if I get on, yeah, good to know if I get on uh, 80 there that I'm going to be able to drive it until, who knows, until I just drive into the ocean. Nobody told me in driver's ed a thing about mile markers. I didn't realize what they were for is if, you know, if you're stranded or if there's an accident or something, that that's the number you give 911. And I found that out when my mom ran out of gas one time (laughs) and she called my dad and she's like, I'm at mile marker 42. (laughs) Did she tell him what highway she was on at least? My mom used to run out of gas a lot. That's, you know, that must be a trait because that's happened quite a few times with my parents too. They just like to see how far they can go. (laughs) But did you know that um, obviously the mile markers start at at the state line? I think we've all noticed that, that they they start over at at the state line and every state has different mile markers. But did you know that for east west highways, mile markers count from west to east? And if you're driving east, so if you're driving eastbound, they start with mile marker one, usually one mile from the state line. And South North highways, when you're driving north, the numbers start one mile from the southern state line and they go north. Quite an intricate system that you don't realize is so intricate. You use it every single day and you realize there's just not, sometimes it doesn't feel like a lot of thought's been put into the roads out there. Like it just feels like somebody was like, oh, I'm just going to build a road through here because I need it to connect to something else. But clearly there was a lot of thought given to it in the process. There's There's another thing that trips me up too that I didn't realize until we started traveling. I, and I always knew in most states that this, this is the way it is back in Illinois, where I'm from, that exit numbers are related to the mile marker. So, it, you know, exit 35 is at mile 35 on that highway. So if you if you just passed exit 35 and you're getting off at exit 45, you know, you've got about 10 miles to go. What I didn't know was not every state follows that. I was just about to ask <laughs> you, I don't think that's a state to state no, some, some states just number them in order. Yeah, I think that's something you can't trust yeah. when you get out there because you just don't know if this is the state that's like, I'm going to play by the rules or you know what, I'm going rogue. Yeah, because the states have a lot of leeway. The federal interstate highway system is a lot, you know, it's a lot of guidelines. And then states have a lot of leeway for what they, they do after that. One last thing here. On the big exit sign, so you're you're about two miles away from an exit and you've got the big exit sign that tells you your exit's coming up. There's the sign that says, might say uh, nine North Oak street, and there's an arrow. And then above it, it says exit two E or whatever. That little sign above is always either on the right or on the left. And if it's on the left, it means it's a left exit. If it's on the right, it means it's a right exit coming up. What if it's like slapped out right in the middle? Well, <laughs> I think that means you're supposed to stay in the middle then. Usually there's an arrow this. pointing down. Maybe that means you're on yeah. that highway and you should stay on it. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of like the day that I realized what the arrow meant on the gas gauge. Yeah. That was such a, like, that was such a like <laughs> light bulb day I for keep me. I forgetting where my gas Yes. <laughs> I was quite an adult before I put two and two together. In fact, we were married quite some time before I put two and two together that the arrow meant that that was the side that the gas gauge or the gas tank was on. We won't even talk about what you thought when you saw all the way before below stop. the stop signs. We'll just, we'll just move on. They didn't that. teach me that in um, homeschool driver's ed. <laughs> they taught you about stop signs. They just neglected all of the interstate information. I learned about interstates and they neglected stop signs. <laughs> they being your dad. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Who doesn't like to stop? <laughs> Likes to roll through a little bit. So there's nothing wrong with it unless it says stop all the way. (laughs) Then you need to stop all the way. I thought that was fun. We have a question this week that I thought we could answer that would be a little bit fun. I really like the perception that we've given about our family that comes with this (laughs) question. I actually feel really proud about it because I'm always on a goal to not cook. So I feel like I really did achieve my goal in 2019 with this question. (laughs) Robert asks, he says, it sounds like you guys eat out a lot with three kids on the road. (laughs) We do. Do you have any helpful tips or advice on how to eat out with three kids and have it go smoothly? Mine are six, five and five months. I don't think Robert would be asking this question if he's ever gone to dinner with us. (laughs) 
Let's just leave it at that. Uh, first off, bless Robert for wanting to go to dinner with a six, five and a five month old. That is quite the feat. Um, we are now going to dinner with 12, nine and a six year old. And sometimes I feel like, why did we do this? Yeah. And they, I don't even have a little one. Although sometimes I wonder if it was easier it was when they were babies when, when they're crowded into the high chair right or when they were interested in like the activities on the back of the mm-hmm. kids menu you know now they're not now interested now they get up and walk around yeah like- i mean so i have a few tips i mean so here's a couple things that we do when we go out um you know our kids all carry backpacks for the most part we've talked a lot about that and sometimes if they have their backpacks on them then they're going to have things in their backpack to do some quiet activities um we if we don't have their backpacks, a lot of times before we leave the house and I know we're going out to dinner, I will grab something as simple as blank pieces of paper and pens. Our kids really like to just draw on blank pieces of paper and pens, even our oldest. Like, yeah, you and know, anymore, they don't want the placemat with the colorings. No, Henry on it. still does. I mean, he's young enough and he likes the placemat, yeah. but I really, really encourage you to bring a few quiet activities from home, whatever your kids are interested in. Now, Target has these like $1 fun packs and they are themed by different cartoon characters that your kids might be familiar with Disney or the Ninja Turtles, or um, in the holiday season, they might be like a snowman fun pack or a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And then inside those little fun packs, often there's just some crayons, there's a little coloring book, some stickers, and they're about a dollar. Those are sort of break in case of emergency. Packs. Yeah. Those but, are like when we want to go somewhere where we really don't want to be. Oh, I really don't have to talk to my kids. So this is something I've, I keep those. Henry seems to still because and your kids are right into Henry's age. So I'll just kind of talk about Henry. He really likes those because he likes the idea of getting to open them and finding something new. Oftentimes they can be recycled to be reused again when we go out to dinner. They're really small. You keep them in your diaper bag or your backpack or your purse. Uh, Another option is we sometimes let the kids bring books. Um, You know, for your kids, you've got probably some really young budding readers. So this might not be an option for you, but for older, you know, parents who have older kids, sometimes we will let them bring books with them and then they can read a book while we are waiting for dinner. Um, Cause I'm not opposed to bringing things like I'm not opposed to taking something from home and bringing it with us to dinner that is going to help keep them entertained because, you know, you have to remember why for Jason and I, we might sit there and talk and, you know, have grown up conversation. Well, kids are just asked to sit there and it's kind of boring, right? Anytime you can bring something from home, that's not super big and bulky, but can give them 10, 15, 20 minutes of entertainment. But we do, uh, we do try to make it a family experience and, and do try to incorporate them and try. Yeah, we, play we games, do. Like we play I spy a lot. We do. We play a game called I spy. We also play this game called Akinator, which is actually a really, really fun game. If you don't want to bring anything from home and you want something that just, you can pull out of your, you know, out of your head, then this game Akinator is where everyone goes around and we take turns. And so let's say Jason's up. He's going to think of something. It's a character. It, it has it's, to be a it's, character. It's basically 20 questions, right? Yes. Uh, but this comes from an app called Akinator where they like, they ask you questions and you answer them on the app and we just play it without the app. Right. And so oftentimes Henry will, let's say, okay, if it's, I'll, I was using you, but I'm going to use Henry cause he's sick. So Henry oftentimes thinks of either star Wars characters Marvel characters, I'm so embarrassing, YouTubers that he watches (laughs) or something in that world. And so we'll ask him, is it a person? You know, is it a real person? And he'll say yes or no. And we continue to ask him these questions until we get to the heart of what it is. And then we guess, we try to guess at what, you know, he's thinking about the person or character he's thinking about. And this can be a really fun game for everybody at the table because we go each go around keep taking turns, asking questions. And that just having one or two people do that can pass a good 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, that is a really fun game. I spy with my little eye is also a lot of fun around the table. But I will also say, Robert, like there have been times push comes to shove that sometimes if we've been out and Jason and I really just want to sit and we want to have a drink and we're tired and the kids are kind of cranky and I don't want to play Akinator. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, I just kind of want to like have a drink and unwind. I have let the kids have my phone. 
I'll be perfectly honest. I've handed them my phone. I've let them pick out like a Stampy Long Nose video on YouTube where I've let them, you know, go into one of the apps and I've let them watch something. And I have no shame in that game. Sometimes we don't do it all of the time. I think you have to, you know, I don't want to set that precedence that when we go out to dinner, you get to have your device, but, and they don't bring their devices with them, but you know, don't feel bad if like every once in a while, you know, and again, yours are still little. So it's not like your five month old is going to be like, Hey, can I watch Disney plus? But like, you know, don't feel bad if every once in a while, when you go to dinner, you let those two watch like some Disney junior or something. It's totally fine. It's okay. We also just generally eat at restaurants that are, you know, fun and upbeat and family friendly type places. Um, but I also think just don't worry about people. I mean, at some point you got to just not worry about people around you and not, you know, ruining their dinner because your, your little baby decided to cry. You know what? People need to deal with the fact that babies cry. <laughs> babies cry. Babies do it cry. Happens and I mean, you they know, shouldn't be shunned from restaurants just because they cry. No, I mean, I remember though, you know, sometimes when ours were little and they would get fussy and yeah. oftentimes it was just, we'd just get up and walk around and wait for the food to come or I'd just bounce there at the table or, you know, whatnot. But I think, you know, um, something like that, I almost equate it to like hiking or any activity, the more you do it the easier it becomes, you know, and I'm not advocating that you should go out to dinner every single night, but you know, we do, as you have noticed, eat out a lot on the road. Like that's just kind of the family that we are. And, um, over time we've just kind of developed the groove and the kids have gotten a little bit, you know, they've settled into it a little bit more. Um, so hopefully though, those were some useful tips. Um, we really like when we travel, going out to eat because it's a really great way of getting to know the cuisine of that area. And we like to try and go to local places. Again, it's like how I like to go to coffee shops. It's just a really great way to interact with the community. Yeah. I mean, our kids get to know what chicken nuggets in New Mexico taste yeah, like and what chicken nuggets in California they do. taste like. They do. Jack what chicken has nuggets got a, in Florida taste like. Jack can talk to you about the different types of mac and cheese all across <laughs> this country. I mean, what was that episode they did once where they talked about their favorite restaurants? I oh, mean, that was something else. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like, you know, those local cuisines like Red Robin were on there and, you know, the OG, you know, like, come on, like they, you know, our kids really, uh, they really love those local restaurants. All right. Well, if you have a question that you want us to answer, please email us at editor at rvmiles.com or direct messages on any social media. And we'd be happy to answer your questions. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, I've got my interview with Lance Campers and we've got the answer to last week's brain teaser. RV Miles is brought to you by Victorinox. You know the brand Victorinox Swiss Army. They make the iconic red Swiss Army knife. But did you know that they also make best-in-class kitchen knives, luggage, fragrance, and Swiss-made watches? Founded in Switzerland in 1884 and still owned and operated by the family who invented the Swiss Army knife over 130 years ago, the classic red Swiss Army knife is still as functional as it was then. But now you can browse hundreds of styles from the rescue tool designed with first responders to get out of a vehicle safely to the wine master designed specifically to open a bottle of wine, travel gear ranging from suitcases to backpacks for a quick weekend getaway or a week long trip. Victorinox makes such a wide range of trusted products. Find the perfect companion for your next adventure. Visit Victorinox.com and save 15% using code RV15. That's Victorinox.com and code RV15 to save 15% now through December 31st. Some exclusions apply. All right, it's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. The first 22 letters of the alphabet are divided into four groups. One is A-C-E-M-N-O-R-S-U-V. Group two is B-D-F-H-K-L-T. Group three is G-P-Q. And group four is I and J. 
where would you place W, X, Y, and Z? And the answer is W, X, and Z go in group one and Y goes in group three. Why? It's because when written in lowercase, letters that stay in between the middle line and the bottom line go in group one. Letters that go above the middle line go in group two. Letters that go below the bottom line go in group three. And letters that contain a dot above the middle line go in group four. Our winner this week is Brandon S. from New York, who will receive a Keep Logging Those RV Miles t-shirt, and you'll have a chance to win one yourself later in the show with the new Brain Teaser, or you can just go buy one in our Teespring store, which I'll link to in the show notes. Yeah, no shame in that game. All right. My interview this week is with a guy named Bob Rogers, who's the director of marketing for Lance Camper. Lance is is a great company that makes really what some people say are, are the top quality trailers and truck campers out there. And they've been making truck campers forever. Uh, trailers not as long and truck campers I think are a type of RV that a lot of people overlook and I love truck campers once you get into one you realize oh my gosh these are huge I used to be not on board with that it's quite possible even at the beginning of this podcast I was like oh I can't do a truck camper that'd be crazy uh now having gone into one and seen what they actually look like it's like walking into a TARDIS. It's just bigger on the inside. It's amazing. I could totally do one of those. Well, Lance has looked, Lance has been following this this trend of overlanding, right? Overlanding is is this fancy new word for for people that take these big vehicles uh, like these. They take extreme boon, it's like extreme boondocking. Yeah, but it's kind. Of, I guess the the deal is for overlanding. It's like boondocking, but the journey is the goal. It's about the travel. Right. Like they don't just get to like one place and then stay yeah. there. I mean, yeah. a lot of people do it in Africa and Australia across, across the vast, vast terrain. And oh a lot gosh. of it happens in imagine? the U S as well, but it would be amazing. It would be so amazing. Um, but Lance sort of looked at this and they're like, Hey, our We're vehicles kind of have been that. made for that forever. Yeah. Like you can soup up a truck and, and put one of our truck campers in the back of it. Talk about a perfect little marriage. Yeah. So very cool that they got involved. So last year they put together the altimeter, which is a, uh, a concept vehicle of sorts uh, that they really souped up a truck and they put one of their uh, campers in it and they put some custom decals on it and they've been touring around to shows uh, across the country. So Bob's going to talk about a little bit about Lance campers and a little bit about the altimeter. Bob, thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate it, Jason. I appreciate you having me and uh, love talking all things RV. That's for sure. One of the most popular recent segments in, in the RV industry is this, this idea of overlanding. And right. I think that ranges anywhere from van campers to some of these multi-million dollar overland vehicles that I'm not sure where people have the money to purchase them or where they're taking them. Uh, But there's, there's been right in front of our noses for a very long time. One of the best overlanding RVs out there is a truck camper and Lance has been making truck campers for decades. And you guys are really, uh, seems like you're really making a push to get people to realize that Lance truck campers are a great choice for an overlanding camper. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that's it's really interesting, Jason, as we talk about overlanding, you know, I've been doing it probably 30 plus years and I just didn't realize it was called overlanding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, we've been at it a long time as far as a, a brand Lance has been around uh, 54 years, uh, making truck campers. And we'd like to think that, uh, you know, they're at the higher end of the, the market in, certain, in terms of quality, certainly. And then we started building travel trailers uh, in 09 and uh, the ultralight uh, travel trailer markets really expanded over the last eight or nine years as well. But uh, we love our truck campers and I personally love the, the overlanding space for sure. I, I think a lot of people, I, I myself included up until fairly recently, have never been inside or seen the inside of a truck camper. There's not a lot of them at, at the RV shows. They seem so much smaller on the outside than they actually are in the inside. You've got everything inside a truck camper. Yeah, it, it, it's, 
and that's the reaction so many people get. And quite honestly, was was my reaction as well. I've I've had the fortunate uh, opportunity to work with some really amazing brands over my career, starting the you know, automotive industry and moving into motorsports and then the RV industry. And I've grown up RVing my whole life, and I've had the opportunity up till before Lance to camp in everything from a, a, a tent to a, a, di- a rear diesel pusher. Um, and, but never within a truck camper. I was in every other segment you can, you can imagine. So when I came to Lance and had the chance to, to camp in a truck camper, um, I absolutely became a, a huge fan. And, and since our kids now are, we're empty nesters and they're out doing their own thing. We absolutely love it. Laura and I, my wife, and it's, we call it the most versatile you know, vehicle you could get. And that's, I think, one of the biggest benefits of a truck camper. But back to your comment about the size, I'll never forget the first one I brought home and sitting out in the, in the driveway and my wife comes in and we're standing there in this truck camper. And she says, I just can't believe we're in the, standing in the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> you know, the one I brought home happened to have two slides on it. So it was, it was very large inside. But um, even our non-slide model people really give us that reaction quite often. Well, I think people also don't realize how easy they are to take off and put back on the truck too. I think it seems like, well, that's going to be on my truck and sit there wherever I go all the time, but that's not yeah. the case, is it? No, it's not at all. And it's funny because we'll be at an RV show. Like you said, there's very few truck campers there, but uh, we might be the only one there. And sometimes we show them off the truck um, as they get used often. And sometimes we leave them on the truck and I had a customer come up and as uh, an RV and tender. And she said, you know, where does that go? It wasn't sitting on the truck. It was sitting by itself. And I said, well, that goes in the back of a pickup bed truck. She said, wow, that's incredible. And then we started that conversation. So yeah, I think, um, again, getting back to the versatility of the truck camper, I, I would argue it's probably one of the most versatile, you know, RVs you can find out there. And that's one of the reasons why with, with the remote control system and the electric jacks and the signal single plug-in, you know, with a little practice, you can get it off the off the truck in you know fifteen to twenty minutes, no problem, and you know use it to camp in, and then you have your your truck to to run around and do other stuff with, which is uh, which is really nice. One of the reasons that we tow a trailer is so that we can have our truck separately at other times, and uh, you have that same exact benefit with a truck camper. Right. Absolutely. But one of the things that I hear about Lance all the time is you mentioned it a, a second ago is the, the quality and there, there's all right. kinds of talk about quality in the RV industry. And right. Lance is always one of those brands when people are saying, I want something that's the best quality out there. It's one of the brands that people often mention. What, right. what are some of the things that makes Lance different? Yeah, no, I pre- really appreciate that question because, number one, it's, it's the reason I came to Lance. I was in the motorsports industry, actually, with Kawasaki, and I thought it would be my lifetime job marketing motorsports. But the recruiter called and mentioned it was an RV company, and, and I said, no, you know, I was, I was with another company in the RV industry, and that was great, but I moved on. And when they mentioned it was Lance, that totally changed my whole outlook because as a competitor to Lance, I knew what kind of a product they built. And so I opened my ears up and next thing you know, I'm working, working there. I just loved every minute of it. And it's because of that. Um, we take a lot of time and effort and quite honestly expenses to make sure, you know, we build the, the best possible product we can. And it really starts back probably 10 or 12 years ago with our CNC machines uh, strategy of bringing in, you know, computer aided uh drafting number one so we do all of our design work on on uh, autocad and then move that into the manufacturing facility so our our cnc machines cut everything very precisely and you get the quality starting there and then it it just goes down the line with how we put it together we use we use a lot of stainless steel fasteners instead of traditional metal fasteners we use a lot of aluminum channel and u-grooves to lock things together uh that hold things together better so it's it's a combination of the how we design it, the, the pieces that we use to put together, and then the people putting it together, um, all wrapped up, kind of give us uh, what we're looking for. And uh, we take a lot of pride in maintaining that quality uh, to the highest standard we can. 
you use a lot of green materials as well. I've, I've noticed it. There's a lot of people concerned about the off-gassing and uh, formaldehyde and all that sort of stuff. But you guys manufacture uh, with that in mind, right? Absolutely do. And, and again, it costs a little bit more um, to, to use materials that don't have a lot of outgassing in it. And, and uh, you know, I've been in, like I said, a lot of RVs over, over my career and camped in a lot and been at them and shows and some of the new ones that have been, you know, closed up for a few days prior to the show, quite honestly, you walked in and you had tears coming down your eyes because of the, the problem with some of that off gassing with the materials. And you won't find that in a Lance because we moved to things that just don't do that. Uh, whether it's the, the Asdale uh, substrate that's behind the fiberglass uh, wall paneling or fabrics that don't have any off gassing at all. So, uh, we take a lot of pride in that, and uh, as well as uh, the manufacturing process itself, we use a lot of solar. Our brand new manufacturing plant we opened up, the whole roof is completely covered with solar and is about 60% um, self-sustaining on, on uh, energy, and we're trying to move to 100% over the next three to five years in that building. So we spend a lot of time worrying about that uh, as well. The most interesting thing to me about truck campers is especially those people that are looking for a class B camper van type right. experience. You get all of that room and maybe even more in, in a, a truck camper and you don't have to go and buy a perhaps $150,000 or more new vehicle if you already have a truck. And I think exactly. that's, I, I think that's, you know, really amazing for something. I think for lack of a better term, I think maybe some people feel that truck campers are old and stodgy and you go inside them and they're anything, but, um, <laughs> yeah, but you, you guys have been manufacturing, uh, trailers now for over 10 years. Right. Uh, how, how much of your manufacturing is, is trailers now? We're probably doing about uh, two thirds of our manufacturing is trailer volume. Uh, to one third truck camper, just because of the the sheer size of that market, it is just a tremendously huge market. Um, and we manufacture in the fourteen to twenty six foot range and the ultralight range. And so, pretty much, again, anybody with a half ton vehicle can tow our our trailers. And so that that market's been really really good for us. And you know, we've had a lot of truck camper customers go into trailers, and some trailer customers go back to the truck campers. So it makes a good crossover for people looking to change their, their RVing lifestyle and so forth. But, um, yeah, the truck camper market is very steady. Um, doesn't seem to be growing, uh, that is as fast as some of the other RV markets like the uh, trailer market or the B van market, um, due to, uh, the van lifers and things like that, but it's not, it doesn't decline either. It's very steady. And one of the the main goals we did with the altimeter was to take that rig to events like um, Overland Expo, which now has three events across the country, and SEMA, and King of the Hammers, which is a desert racing event, and show people that there's an alternative out there to the van life and to overlanding that is really, really attractive, and, and it's been really successful in doing that. So the, the altimeter, that, that's kind of, uh, is that like a... Is it sort of like a concept um, or is it just a, a, just sort of a, a one-off way to show off truck campers a little bit? Yeah, it's kind of a combination of both those things. Again, the reason we did it, number one, was to raise awareness of, of the Lance brand. Um, you know, even though we've been in business 54 years, we're, we're fairly well known on the West Coast market, a little less so on the, in the Midwest and the East. So we wanted to bring awareness to the brand. And then we also wanted, like I said, to introduce the, the truck camper segment specifically to the audience that you just talked about, you know, the, the overlanding crowd and a younger demographic. Um, because, you know, like you said it, quite honestly, the truck camper, you know, if I had a dollar for every customer that came up and said my dad had one or my grandpa right. had one, you know, and that's how they got exposed to RVing, you know, it would be awesome. But um, so you know, we want to, we want the younger demographics, the millennials and even younger to see this segment as a potential for them, uh, that is much more versatile, uh, than even, you know, taking a sprinter and trying to outfit it yourself and all the other options that are out there, like the sportsmobiles, like you say, you know, start at 120,000 plus. It's a great alternative for that. And quite honestly, in most 
surprise most circumstances you, you get into, you'll have much more functionality in a truck camper than you will uh, in a Sprinter or in a, even a, uh, you know, small class C and those kind of things. Well, and you can, you can put it on the back of a, of a souped up truck that's been lifted. That's got a, uh, you, you know, it's got a winch on the front of it. You're a big, big off-roading truck. You can, you can sort of do whatever you want with your truck and then throw your yeah. Lance camper on the back of it. And I love the altimeter. It's got you know, sort of cool graphics and stuff too, to make it feel a little more modern. And you've got, you know, you've got the right. solar panels on there. You've got the, uh, the satellite, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. And going back to your first point, what's what's different about that? Really, the camper, the Lance, the camper on that vehicle is a Lance 85S, and it is pretty much uh, fully stock, um, with the exception of the wrap. Um, we did do a wrap on it, uh, which again is to get, get the attention at shows and those kind of things. But the camper itself is is completely stock. Uh, matter of fact, when we built our first rig to go to SEMA, which is a very large uh, enthusiast show, automotive enthusiast show. Uh, to stand out, we wrapped it. It was four years ago. And that wrap was so popular with people that uh, we actually got to market uh, two years ago with a uh, version of that wrap that we offer today as an optional graphic on our truck campers, which has a mountain scene on it. So part of that wrap made its way to production simply because people loved it so much. So the altimeter itself, other than the wrap, we did um, swap out uh, the batteries for wet cell batteries into lithium batteries because we really wanted to test lithium battery, battery technology uh, in, in the best example we could and see how well it works. So the altimeter, we went all out. We, uh, we went from two lead acid batteries to four lithium batteries. The solar panels are available stock. We have 100 watt unit up there and then we have a 190 watt unit up there as well and uh and then we added an inverter uh we added a large inverter we added a 3000 watt inverter so we can run everything in that camper including the ac and or microwave uh, off the batteries and it's been a, a great test bed for us for that and uh, now we actually offer lithium batteries as an option on our products because of that so it's been been really good now as far as modifications on the truck, that's a different story. We uh, we went all out on the truck and had a lot of help from a lot of uh, marketing suppliers and, and partners, uh, including Icon and Hellweek Suspension, and decked out the, the F-350 uh, quite a bit. So uh, it, it makes a really cool rig, very functional rig, too. The, the, those mountain scene graphics uh, that you've got on <laughs> all your all your campers are really cool. It's a, it's a great alternative to the swoops and swirls that people um, <laughs> sort of rail against a lot. You, your graphic design is, is all pretty neat. What, but one thing I love about Lance is that in your trailers, you take some of that sort of innovation that you guys bring to the truck campers as well to your trailers, because you guys have some, some options on some of your trailers that nobody else has. Like there, there's one that I, I particularly love that I wish I had seen before we bought ours. You've got a, you've got a triple bunk in the back of one. Right. I don't think I've ever seen a triple. I've got three boys. Right. I don't think I've ever seen a triple bunk in a trailer, especially one that's only 26 feet long. I could, right. be, I could be 10 feet shorter, right? <laughs> right exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, and we try to do some of the things like that and, and innovate where we can, but still make, make sure it's a, a really functional floor plan for, our customers because our customers they're they're users you know they're they let us know what they like and, and don't like and and we stay really close touch with them through our uh, lance owners of america owner group you know we attend rallies with them and and have them up to our plant for a, a semi-annual rally and, and listen to what they say we see what they're doing on their own rigs and try to accommodate some of that in our manufacturing well but bob if you, if people want to learn more about lance campers where do they go yeah, I would encourage your listeners to, to visit LanceCamper.com, uh, quite simply, uh, for more information on the, on the truck campers and the trailers, and then also to locate their nearest dealer. If they want to check out stuff in person, that's the best way to do it. And uh, we post a lot of uh, not only product information, but videos there as well, and people can really get a, a feel for certain features that we have, and as well as how-to videos and that kind of thing. So that's what I'd encourage them uh, to do. I'll put some photos of the, the altimeter in the, uh, in the show notes as well. So people can check that out. 
Bob Rogers of Lance Camper, thanks so much for, for being on the show. Hey, I really appreciate it and appreciate your interest in the, the altimeter and uh, look forward to having you hopefully up in Lancaster for a factory tour soon. Looking forward to it. RV Miles is sponsored by Harvest Hosts. Have you been considering a Harvest Hosts membership? With 2020 in full swing now is the perfect time to become a Harvest Hosts member and start enjoying access to a network of over 900 wineries, farms, breweries, museums, and other unique attractions that invite RVers to visit and stay overnight. To save 15% on your Harvest Host membership, head over to the show notes at rvmiles.com slash 126 and look for the Harvest Host logo. That's 15% off a Harvest Host membership for RV Miles listeners over at rvmiles.com slash 126. And by FMCA. Did you know that FMCA is the world's largest nonprofit RV club? And it's not just for motorhomes anymore. In 2017, FMCA members voted to welcome in all RVers, including travel trailer owners like us. And we are members and absolutely love being FMCA members. They give you access to all sorts of discounts on uh, things like cell service, on tires, insurance. They have the FMCA assist program that helps you in case of an emergency, get back home or get to family. But one of the best things about FMCA is the access to their roadside assistance. There's not a lot of love for some of the major roadside assistance programs out there. And FMCA has one of the best. It provides towing to the nearest qualified repair center, fuel delivery, lockout service, tire change, battery boost, tech assistance. And it's through their partnership with Safe Ride RV Motor Club that's been their trusted partner since 2014. And it's only $74 a year. You can also add on your cars at home, your other family members. And if you tow a trailer, it includes your trailer and your truck as well. It's only $75 a year, but if you want to get it, you have to be an FMCA member. FMCA membership is $85 for your first year and $75 each year after. But if you use the code RVMILES20, you can go over to FMCA.com and you'll get $10 off your first year. That's with the code RVMILES20 at FMCA.com or head over to the show notes for this episode and click on the link for the FMCA there as well. We love it, especially the, the best part of it is getting that monthly magazine. They'll give it to you digitally or mail it to you at, at home. And the magazine alone, we think is worth it. Jason loves magazines. They're right up there with brochures. Do you know I read magazines backwards? I didn't actually. I, that. I go, I'm, I go I'm back to front. It's, I, it's a, just, just the way I turn the pages. I just It's is. been a long time since I've been speechless. And that just left me <laughs> speechless. I have been sharing a home with you for 12 years. And I never knew that you read a magazine backwards. I think all the good stuff's in the back anyway. I, I... I'm speechless. I'm speechless. <laughs> I'm going to need you to read a magazine late after we're done here. Cause I don't understand how that works. That's right. a whole, that's, that's like a whole level of disorganized. I can't wrap my head around. Uh, all right. It's time for our fresh tank, black tank segment where we talk about the good and the bad and the stinky in the world. <laughs> Abby, what is your black tank for this week? I don't have a black tank this week. You don't. I don't. I don't. We're wrapping up the holiday season. I guess if I was going to say anything that some of my favorite holiday treats are going away. Hey, Liz, let me get, <laughs> let me give you, since you're not putting one in here, let me give you a okay, black tank. Okay, please, please share with me a black tank. I just, you know, it's 2020. I want to start off on a positive Putting note. Christmas decorations away. I don't understand. I don't Is look black. at that. I look at it as black in the sense that I'm sad to see the holiday go, but it doesn't bother me putting them away. Oh my I'd rather goodness. enjoy it. Oh my goodness. I see all those wonderful things and I say to a lot of them, I'll see you next year. <laughs> all right, fine. What's your fresh tank? If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that swoops and swirls and sort of outdated RV interiors are really not my thing. I like this new trend we've got going on where things are feeling a little bit cleaner, a little bit brighter in the RV community. And Airstream has heard the call 
Airstream's kind of always been ahead of the charge a little bit. They've on this. always been a little bit ahead of the charge, but they have decided to Joanna Gaines the inside of their <laughs> classic Airstream, and they have introduced what's called this comfort white interior. And it is this beautifully white, beautifully clean. It has a modern farmhouse feel to it. It's beautiful. We just wrote an article over at rvmiles.com over the weekend about it. And there's some gorgeous pictures inside of it. But I just really like this trend. I really like the idea that we are reimagining what RVs can look like. That doesn't mean that like the old traditional styles or the swoops and swirls are all going away, but we're making room for variety. And I would say if there's anything that's been missing from the RV community is variety in the types of designs inside. There's plenty of floor plans for us to choose from, but the color palettes and the interiors have all just kind of stayed the same. And I really like this comfort white that Airstream has done. You know what I love about it? I love that brass is back. Brass and is they back. Have, they have these shaker style European hardwood. Look at you with your fancy design cabinets. And on these white cabinets, they've got German brass hardware. Oh, I love it. I love it. It makes me want to go and rip out all of the cabinets in our RV. This picture of of the bathroom looks like an apartment bathroom. Oh, it's gorgeous. Oh, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's just, it's so clean and I would probably never own something like that with small children (laughs) because it would never look as bright and as white, but I really like that this is an option now and that more manufacturers, more RV brands are heeding the call for the clean modern look. And like you said, though, they're bringing in sort of like these old world styles too. It's just exactly what, like when we go and you buy a house and if you have the option to design that house or you go and you redesign your kitchen or something, you get to kind of pick and choose, right? Or you go into look at a model home and sometimes they'll have all these different sort of options for you to choose from. We just haven't really had something like that in the RV community. We'll have it if we use our sweat, blood and tears and we rip out the entire interior of an RV and rebuild it ourselves. Or if we go and build our own school bus conversion. Absolutely. But it would be really nice to kind of have something like that without the blood, sweat and tears. So that's my fresh tank this week. Sounds good. All right. What's your black tank this week? All right. My black tank is, is an article. And uh, this is an article that's been floating around in some of the Facebook groups and such. Uh, on the internet about the worst travel trailer brands to avoid today. Oh dear. Okay. Parentheses 2019 update. Oh dear. And let me just, let me just read to you how they, um, how they came up with the worst travel trailer brands. We conducted a survey to camping is our life a favorite Facebook group of many RVers with more than a hundred thousand members with approximately 3000 answers. Here's what we got. They didn't even get 10% of the group. (laughs) This is like when you get those political polls and they're like, this is what this particular party is thinking. And then you realize that they surveyed like 1200 people and you're like, I'm sorry, there's only (laughs) what there's 1200 people that are surveyed. And I don't think they speak for an entire group, but don't get me started. The answers of the worst travel trailer brands to avoid in 2019. I'm not even going to read them out because it's, it, it doesn't make any sense. The answers are all the top selling travel trailer brands, of course, <laughs> because if you were going to pull people, I mean, they're going to tell you what they own. Okay. So here's, you know? here's, okay. I'm just going to dive into this. This is what you shouldn't buy. Now I'm not a big fan of like pulling people's articles and like going down them. So I feel a little iffy about this, but these kinds of articles fuel fires that when people get online with each other, they feel emboldened to shame someone because they went and bought a particular travel trailer. Okay. We've seen that time and time again. It makes me sick to my stomach when someone is joyfully sharing that they have bought something and someone jumps in and is like, way to go for buying crap. Like it just makes me sick to my stomach. So These are the travel trailer brands that they have suggested you avoid. Good luck buying anything. Forest River, Keystone, Jayco, Coachman, Winnebago, Fleetwood, Gulfstream. And then the 3% came to some other brands like Coleman and Thor. 
Like I said, <laughs> that's like all the trailers. So good old. luck <laughs> buying anything in 2020 if you stick to this list. But my point here, I is, mean, unless you want a Tiffin, <laughs> right. you can go get your Tiffin. They don't sell trailers though. So there's, there's, oh, no. that's right. I'm sorry. We're talking travel trailers. Yeah. yeah. Excuse me. We're not talking class C's, B's, A's. Okay. The issue here though is, is not even that. The issue is that this is a keyword stuffed website intent on getting Google views for people that type into Google. What's the worst best RVs <laughs> out there? Worst <laughs> yeah. travel trailers. And it's from a website called outdoorfact.com. Your, your first clue ought to be that the picture of trailers that they have is not even American trailers. It's European trailers. Ouch. It and, is. And it is, if you actually read the text, which most people don't do, they just go look at the list, right? You're mm -hmm. like, which ones are they? Do you see? It's just like every line is like worst travel trailers to avoid, worst travel trailers yeah. to avoid. And and it's, it's just a list with no experience whatsoever. Now on a talking about particular sites like this, and we have noticed recently that there are sites out there that are pulling people's work from their site and plopping it onto mm -hmm. theirs. And we have actually been faced with that. Like we have had instances where our show notes or articles we have written have been copy and pasted word for word and plopped on to another website. So red flags start flying all over the place for me when I see articles like this, because there is no author there. No, is, they don't even list an author. There's no author listed there is really no way to contact this website. There's no way to engage with them. There's no way that you can find out who is behind the words here. The best, the, this, the first comment here is the best one. Love my 2019 Forest River Salem 27RE. No problems whatsoever. Stylish, comfy, and roomy. Unlike your article, airtight, solid floor. <laughs> right. Like there's no outdoor fact happening here. Like yeah. their name. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be snotty. And I'm like, I, this is odd waters for me to get into because I don't really like being negative on the show. But if people are reading articles like this, it is so very important that you vet this source. And this source has nothing to vet here. You and this article is getting shared around. And everyone's taking it as fact because 3000 people didn't like a particular brands. That's what's frustrating. There are millions and millions and millions of us out there. But for some reason, 3000 people got to decide what are the worst travel trailers of 2019. And you, so you just really got to be careful when you Google stuff, because sometimes you come up with stuff like this. It's like buying a car. Okay. It's like buying yeah. a house. No two houses, no two cars, no two people are ever going to be the same. Even among one brand. I mean, some brands make travel trailers that range from $13,000 to $90,000. I guarantee you the $90,000 trailers are better quality than their $13,000 ones. There is just all sorts of variants and it's really hard. And I know everybody wants to find out. They know there's a, a manufacturing problem in this industry they want to find out what's going to give them the best quality. And there are a few brands to avoid, certainly. But you, if, if you avoid all those brands, I mean, essentially, you, you want to buy an Airstream? Okay, go spend <laughs> well, uh, $250,000 on and an Airstream fine, trailer. And that's fine because they've got a beautiful comfort white yeah, interior right there now. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, maybe it's quite possible. You're just limiting your options a bit. <laughs> you know what? Outdoorfact.com, they could, they could just be really big Airstream enthusiasts. Yeah. And that's absolutely fine too. All right. What is your fresh tank? Let's be positive for a while. Okay. Uh, my fresh tank is hidden perks that you might not know that you already have. I love perks. One of them that I just found out about is if you're a Bank of America customer, which we are, and other banks do this as well, uh, or similar things to this. If you're a Bank of America customer, you get free entry to over 250 museums across the country every single month on the first weekend of the month. And I looked and while we're in Kansas City here, we could have went to two different museums this weekend. And there's just all sorts of programs like that. Another one I discovered maybe a, a year ago was this Verizon Up program that I wouldn't have known about had I not downloaded the app onto my phone. I never had a need for the Verizon app, but I downloaded the Verizon app and opened it up. And inside it, there is a perks program 
where once a month they give you, they let you select between a, a few different five or $10 gift cards. So every month we're getting a gift card to usually it's like to Amazon or to Starbucks helps pay Starbucks down has been. Starbucks bill a little bit. <laughs> Look, there's not enough Verizon ups to pay that Starbucks bill. Okay. <laughs> you know, we actually went to, we had collected so many of these uh, Verizon ups that we didn't know about that actually uh, we put a bunch of them towards AMC gift cards. And that's how we ended up seeing a movie for almost nothing. I think Verizon up yeah. essentially paid for our family of five to go see uh, Spider-Man far from home. There's also uh, your credit cards. A lot of credit cards have all sorts of travel assist type programs, uh, additional insurance for your uh, rentals, all kinds of stuff that you might not realize that you had. You were probably sold on it when when you bought whatever that was in the first place. You signed up for that credit card or you signed up for that bank account. They gave you the hard sell and they told you all this information. And you forgot about it. So my tip here is to just kind of go back through all that stuff that you have and and find out what deals that you might have waiting for you. Yeah, we'll have to figure out where we're going to be the first weekend in February and see with our Bank of America card, like what museums we might be able to check out. That's really, really cool. Good tip, Jay. All right. That is our fresh tank, black tank for the week. It's time for the new brain teaser. This one is about buying pets, which Henry is. Oh, Henry wants a dog oh so bad. He wants a dog so bad. Yeah, that's one dream that's never going to come true for Henry. <laughs> Poor Henry. Poor Henry. One day when one, he's an adult. You know what? When he's an adult and he has his own house and he can make his own grown up decisions, he can go get a puppy. So you're given a hundred dollars and you're told to spend it all on purchasing exactly 100 animals at the pet store. Got it? That is okay. Dogs cost $15. Cats cost a buck. <laughs> and mice are 25 cents each. Oh, right. poor cat. You have to purchase at least one of each animal. Okay. Okay. You can't leave one out and you need to spend all hundred dollars buying exactly a hundred animals. What is the ratio of, of animals? How many of each do you have to purchase to equal a hundred animals purchased at exactly a hundred dollars? If you think you know the answer, go over to rvmiles.com slash brain teaser and there's a form to fill out. You leave it there or we put that form also in the show notes, which is rvmiles.com slash 126. Yeah, and the show notes are really starting to get packed with information. So if you haven't been in the habit of checking out the show notes, it might behoove you to start heading over there and kind of seeing what's going on. Because we always plug in all of the discounts being offered by our partners that you heard on the show. We also plug in some other things that we might have mentioned, like the brain teaser articles that we talked about, things that kind of help you sort of engage more with this episode. And so if you haven't, you can find all of our show notes at rvmiles.com slash podcast. You can also find America's National Parks and see America on rvmiles.com. We are in a transition period where we are bringing everything to rvmiles.com. No longer will you be having to go to different websites in order to find the entire RV Miles network. We are working to put it all into one big giant house. We don't have enough room for it all right now. So Jason gets to spend a little bit of time figuring all that out. But eventually, everything you hear us talk about, you're going to be able to find at rvmiles.com. All right. That's it for this week's episode. That is it. If you are enjoying the show, we would love to please request that you head over to Apple Podcasts, if that is how you are listening, and leave a five-star review. Thank you so much to those of you who have done that recently. Our numbers just totally spiked up, and that was amazing. It helps get us in front of more people, and we are so grateful for that. If you have any questions for Jason and I, you can find us all across social media. RV Miles is on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. We love getting DMs from you. You can find us at editor at rvmiles.com. We will always do our best to answer as quickly as we can. And of course, if you are not in the RV Miles Facebook group, what are you doing with your life? Go over and join the funnest funner can i say funner the funner group out there it's the most funner group you're ever going to be a part of okay 
<laughs> you're missing lots and lots of Baby Yoda memes if you're not there. Well, I think you're missing those too if you're not friends with me on Facebook because essentially my life on Facebook, my feed is so curated at this point that all I get when I log into Facebook personally, and I don't get on Facebook too much just for personal stuff, but when I do, I get recipes, Baby Yoda, and the occasional RV group comment. That's it at this point. <laughs> I have such a beautifully curated Facebook news feed. I love it. So anyway, we love hearing from you. Happy 2020. Have a great time out there on the road and keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. Bye.